All right, what's up, guys? Um, my name is Hagen, if you haven't met me. Um, I had an amazing opportunity to go to Uzbekistan on a missions trip, and um, so I am going to tell you guys about it and what I learned from it. Um, but before we get started, uh, I just want to pray really quick. So, um, Lord, I just ask, would you speak through me today? And um, I ask if, if you are um, wanting to impact anyone today or speak to anyone today, um, would you move in their hearts and um, give me the words to say, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So first of all, I just want to say thank you guys um, to everyone who gave financially towards the trip. It was a huge blessing to see how the Lord met the financial needs. And um, it was honestly a huge like step of faith for me, trusting the Lord that he would raise the funds um, to go halfway across the world. Um, and so I just want to say thank you guys. And also just for praying too. Um, I could feel the Holy Spirit working through me. And so just want to thank everyone. Really appreciate it and um, appreciate the generosity. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the emotions I was feeling going into the trip because that will provide some context for um, some of the things I learned. Um, so the, the thing about the missions trip was we were leaving from LA about two days after I got out of school. And um, to be honest, I was like really stressed out. Uh, we had finals week and there was just a lot going on, getting ready for the trip and um, trying to finish the school year out strong. So that was going on and um, Going into it, we were kind of the guinea pigs because we were the first um, missions team that crew was sending to Uzbekistan, um, to that area. And so um, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty around the plans. Um, and to make everything worse, um, about a week before the trip, they told us that the school we were going to be serving at um, closed down. They ran out of money. and so. Um, and to go along with that, the leader of our trip stepped down. Um, his wife was having health issues. And so that was just uh, led to a lot of uncertainty in my mind about um, just the plans and, and whether the Lord would be able to work through us. Um, you know, I, I, I was asking questions like, should I still be going? Um, was this worth my time? And, and things like that. And um, I think... Um, Satan was really sending thoughts of like inadequacy into my mind and and just like why am I the one doing this like I'm not like a um, professional gospel sharer or any anything by that um, standard and I you know I just didn't have very much experience I was you know a freshman in college and so all these feelings of just kind of like is this will the Lord really work through me um, in this trip, and um, so that—that's kind of the my mental state going in. I, you know, I was trusting the Lord, but I was having a hard time with it. Um, and so, um, when we got there, um, it was there was definitely a few days of like 
getting settled in, um, kind of trying to figure out what we're doing there, and how are we going to meet people, all these things. And um, we, it was really cool. I think um, we, we spent the first few days kind of um, meeting some of the believers there. Um, so we should have some pictures of that. Um, this is the team I went with. Went from uh, went with seven people, um, a few from Crew Cal Poly and a few from other um, crews uh, around California. Um, so then the next slide I think has pictures of of some of the believers we met. Um, so in that um, picture on the left we have us with our host family. Um, that the host was a um, worker and crew. A, a missionary, and um, he had been living in that area of Uzbekistan all his life. He was actually an overseer of about 10 churches in the area. Um, him and his wife were really awesome, just amazing stories. Um, and then on the, in the other picture, um, on, the, on the right, there's about four of the, we met some really cool guys our age um, there who were just really strong in their faith and you know, they're like 23 and um, they're already, you know, they're in the only seminary in all of Uzbekistan. They all were planning on being ministers. And so that was just really cool. I think that helped us settle in a little bit, like meeting these believers who were just so strong in their faith. Um, but, you know, we, we still had no clue how we were going to, like, meet non-believers there. I mean, we had general plans. But um, so, like, uh, for example, I remember, you know, we went to our first like park where we were gonna do ministry or evangelism, and we just we you know we walked around, but it just kind of felt like this big failure. Like we didn't really talk to anyone, and so there was just a lot of doubts in my mind. Like you know, um, what does the Lord have for us here? Um, but this is probably you know my testimony of the trip was that the Lord really blessed us by putting us um, putting people who were interested in friendship in our path, um, just through the randomest things, like through the grocery store, on the, on the subway, all these things. And, um, and so we actually made friends really easily and really quickly after um, a few days' time there. And so that was just, um, I think, a huge blessing to me because I wanted to um, make sure that you know, we made an impact with our time there and how are we going to do that without meeting people um, so we were targeting generally um, college-aged uh, uh, non-believers there. And, um, you know, once we had made those initial connections, we really, like, kind of settled into, like, a daily schedule of, like, you know, we would schedule um, maybe a breakfast or a lunch meeting with someone. Um, and then, you know, on, on all of our um, ministry days, as we called them, we would have some sort of, like, uh, gathering event uh, in the night. They, they, they really like to hang out in the night because it's, it's like 117 degrees during the day. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we would do things like um, volleyball was a big one um, or, you know, meeting in the parks and just like hanging out, building connections. Like we would always say, you know, bring friends and, and they would bring like 12 friends. Um, and so it was, it was, uh, for me, as kind of a more introverted person, it was a lot of, like, social activity. But that's kind of what we had to do to, like, um, start to build trust with them and build that, like, foundation of friendship where they felt like we actually cared about them and wanted to hang out with them. Um, 
So that was uh, kind of, you know, what we did for most of our days was, um, you know, set up meetings with people and meet them in the park and hang out. We would, you know, uh, hang out late into the night, um, just kind of building these friendships. Um, we also, though, had a few really cool kind of service humanitarian opportunities. Um, so if I could get the next slide. So um, we had three opportunities to go to different villages um, outside of Tashkent, Uzbekistan. And um, the villages there, there's uh, a lot of poverty um, and just kind of a general lack of like development, moder modernization. Um, and so what we had planned was to bring these like water filters and, and they last for about 10 years. Um, they can pretty much supply a whole village with water um, on a daily basis. And so that was kind of uh, one thing that we had planned. Um, and we also were presented with an opportunity to meet with um, some people who, uh, some usually uh, around the age of um, ch children who had disabilities there. And so that was um, an amazing opportunity to, we would basically just go, we would plan activities and, and fun things like, you know, games and um, sports and that kind of thing. And we would just spend the whole day with these kids. And that was, um, I, I hadn't really done much um, like ministry towards uh, uh, children with disabilities, but it actually went really naturally. And it was just so amazing to see like the smiles on their faces, you know, to know that like someone wanted to like spend a whole day with them. So, that, so there was three different re um, retreats. There's a few pictures up there of us just, you know, eating, gathering around meals. Each meal takes like two or three hours in Uzbekistan. And so it's just a lot of like, you know, chatting, engaging the kids, hanging out on the lawn, um, playing with them. And we would also, you know, while we were there, take um, food to, especially um, families where maybe the, the man in the family was um, injured or disabled and um, installing those water filters, teaching them how to use it. Uh, so that was just a really cool opportunity to kind of like get outside of Tashkent um, and make a difference in these people's lives. Um, you know, not all ministry has to be like sharing the gospel. Like there's, there's other elements to it too. Um, so we got to do that a few times. Another really cool opportunity that we had was to spend a weekend with the youth group um, from the church in Uzbekistan or in, in Tashkent. Um, so these are a few pictures here. We stayed at this villa. They said it was going to be in the mountains. It was kind of by the mountains, so we were disappointed by that. But um, but it was so amazing. There was like 20 of them there, high school and college aged. And um, we kind of, uh, they asked us to plan sort of a program for them. So that included like worship, discussions, teaching, um, games, and all that stuff. Um, but it was, it was a great opportunity. Like, we just got to have, I mean, I, I could probably say with everyone on that table, I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. And they, they, they would jump right to the deep topics, too. Like, you know, they were such amazing followers of Christ. And um, it was actually probably one of the coolest parts of the weekend was um, it kind of just happened randomly. But, like, the evening after our, our sort of program, um, four people said they wanted to get, bap uh, to, um, get baptized. And, and so they had never been baptized before. And the one in the picture um, on the left, he, uh, that, he accepted Christ for the first time. He had been in the youth group for a few weeks. 
And um, so that was really cool. I think um, they hopefully felt encouraged by kind of what we were sharing and, and um, just getting to spend time with them. Um, and, and we also were very encouraged just to see like, wow, like in, in this other part of the world where um, Christianity is, is such a minority, just to see these like young men and women like who were so passionate about following the Lord. Um, so that was uh, about the third week. And we had spent all this time building friendships with non-believers. Um, we had built friendships with the believers there. And so now we kind of felt like it was time to start um, driving our conversations with the non-believers there towards the gospel. And so um, we, uh, you know, just set up meetings. It, it actually happened supernaturally. Um, and just kind of, uh, you know, we started to talk about deeper topics and ask them questions. And um, they, uh, for the first time, especially for us guys, you know, guys are not quite as open immediately. For the first time, they started sharing things um, that they were afraid of, that they, you know, had experienced, all these things. And um, we, we were able to speak the gospel into, um, for us guys, I think we, we shared with um, eight people, um, eight of our friends there, and the girls shared with a few of theirs as well. Um, so... It was really uh, awesome to kind of like um, accomplish, you know, it felt like it took us a while to get there, but, um, and we also, you know, also felt like we didn't have enough time, just even though it was a month, it felt short, you know, but it was really cool towards the end to have those conversations, um, and and I think, you know, even though, I guess, um, you know, we, we never had planned, like we were never planning on um, asking them to accept Christ because for them that's that means about six months of, of beating and social rejection um, from their families um, and so that was not our intent our intent was to share and and to um, give them space to ask questions and to to show interest and and you know the hope was that they would go back and think about um, what we had shared and um, it was it was awesome to hear some of the, the questions they asked afterwards, you know. Um, things like, you know, are you certain that when you die you'll go to heaven? And um and you know, what what does um the gospel say about suffering and all these things? Um so that was yeah, that's a brief summary of our trip, very brief. Um I wanted to highlight just kind of the, the state of Uzbekistan and some of the, the cultural differences that we experienced. Um, so Uzbekistan, um, up until about 15 years ago, was controlled by the Soviet Union. It was a part of the Soviet Union. Um, and they uh, finally were, were freed from that. Um, and they had um, uh, several more years under dictators. Um, so it wasn't until 2017 that they got a president which has allowed more freedom in, in their country. Um, and and it, th this president is also trying to modernize the country. Um, but for many of the believers there, um, they've only had, you know, they said since 2019 where they were uh, able to practice their faith openly. Um, there's only one registered church there um, that is, you know, not Orthodox or Catholic. Um, and, you know, every, um, including, you know, guys my age, they had been in prison multiple times um, just for things like worshiping um, and, and evangelizing. 
And, um, you know, to this day, like, um, being a missionary there is illegal. Um, you know, uh, sharing the gospel with someone under 18 is illegal. Um, and Islam is uh, about 96.5% of um, uh, of people in Islam um, in Uzbekistan are Islamic, um, follow Islam, and so the the Christian group there is is a very very much a minority group. It's it's very much being persecuted on a daily basis. Um, another thing that kind of shocked us was just the treatment of women there. Um, women have essentially no rights. Um, you go to like a mosque service and it's all men. You go to a, a soccer game, all men. Um, and so that was just kind of, you know, I think a, a shock to us. Also like the, the living conditions are pretty poor there. You know, they, um, they've put a lot of money into kind of modernizing the city, but the, you know, they don't have clean water. They, you know, uh, the average salary is about like 11,000 a year in US dollars. Um, another interesting thing was just how they viewed America. That was kind of a, a touchy subject for us when, when they would bring that up because they, they kind of um, have this idealized view of America. And every single guy that we talked to, his dream was to come, to, to come here. And um, so it's just, you know, it, Uzbekistan is an amazing place, but there's a lot of uh, glaring issues that, that for someone like me that it was like, this is a huge difference, you know, coming in. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what I learned from the believers there, um, because I think that um, is super relevant to what we're trying to do here. Um, we had the opportunity to go to a church service there. All right, I wouldn't even call it a service, I guess, but a church gathering. Um, the uh, services are very participatory. So there, there's usually not one person who's, who's leading the service, who's speaking. It's, it's, it's a conversation. You know, they had pizza and you sit in a circle and um, there's a lot of sharing of scripture and sharing of testimonies and stories. Um, and their, their community is very, um, it's very communal. It's like uh, they're all their, each other's best friends, you know. Um, and they have to be because it's it's very hard to be friends um, with uh, a follower of Islam. Um, another really interesting thing to me was how every Sunday they gather and they meet each other's needs. And often that is financial. But I just thought it was fascinating how someone would get up and say, you know, my mom uh, needs a uh, broker bone and needs a surgery. And right there people would hand them money and like the, the surgery was completely paid for. And that was just um, fascinating to me. Um, I think the takeaway from the believers there was that um, the persecution they faced has made them more on fire for Jesus. I think um, here in America, it's easy to fall into kind of a more lackadaisical faith. Um, but because they are literally the only ones there, they they're very, everyone's active in serving, everyone's active in ministry, and that was just really cool. It was really encouraging for me to see that. Um, so I think going back to some of the emotions that I, I felt going into the trip, one of the main takeaways um, from my time there was that God accomplishes his work through us despite our bad attitudes and our worrying. Um, 
for whatever reason, God wants to partner with us in his work. He wants to accomplish bringing heaven to earth through us. He could do it, but he wants us to be a part of that. And, um, and he's able to work through our flaws and our, our, um, and our bad attitudes and our worrying. Um, so I had all these emotions, but the Lord was still able to use me and my teammates to share the gospel with others. And I think that was, um, you know, we don't have to be perfectly, um, we don't have to be perfect to share the gospel and to live the gospel. Um, whenever, so, you know, we would ask our host or even um, some of our friends, our believer friends there, you know, different, like what strategies they use for sharing the gospel, what, what kinds of things we needed to know. And the, our host would, every time you'd say, listen to the Holy Spirit, he will guide you. Um, and that was, uh, you know, it's one of those answers that's not an answer, sort of. Like, I, okay, what does that mean, you know? Um, and, and for me, it was a struggle. Like, how do you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking? Um, I am not an expert in this at all. Um, but I can share kind of my own testimony from the trip. Um, I went on this trip because I think um, one of the main calls we have as Christians is to be servant-hearted. And... Um, I realized that, like, uh, the life I was living in college, it was pretty self-centered. You know, I spent my whole day on what I needed to get done. Um, and uh, even though service can take a lot of forms, like, you don't have to leave this country to grow in servant-hardness. Um, the thought of, like, putting myself in an environment um, for, you know, one month out of the year, um, where there was very little I could, like, selfishly gain from it, um, it, it was like strangely attractive. And, and, um, and that's how I kind of knew like I was being called to do this trip by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it didn't really make sense and it wasn't what I wanted. Like I, I was, you know, exhausted and kind of ready to come home. Um, but that's kind of how I think, you know, the Holy Spirit is calling you to do something. Um, so if you feel uh, a strange an unexplainable compulsion to do something that your selfish nature specifically doesn't want you to do, you can almost know a certainty that that's the Holy Spirit speaking. Um, and I guess I would say, like, if uh, what you think the Holy Spirit is, is saying to you lines up with what you do want selfishly, then you just have to be careful um, because, you know, I think as we grow in maturity, our, our desires will line up with the Holy Spirit's desires. But um, at least for me at this point in my walk, I'm not mature enough to assume that my desires line up with the Lord's. And so that's maybe what I experienced on this trip was that um, my, what I wanted to do didn't line up with what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. And that's kind of how I was, I was certain that um, I was called on this trip. Um, another big thing for me um, was listening to the Holy Spirit in conversations. Um, before this trip, I think I would maybe like pray before I was going into a conversation where there was a chance I would share the gospel. Um, but then once I was in the conversation, it was kind of like it was all up to my conversational skills or my abilities. And um, this trip was one of the first times where during the conversation, I was trying to um, 
be with the Holy Spirit and listen to him. And where, you know, there would be uh, moments in a conversation where someone would say something and I felt like this uh, compulsion, like I, I had to. And, and it, this was the moment. And, and so that's, um, I guess, one of the things I learned was to listen to the Holy Spirit, like, during your conversations with someone. What questions can I be asking? What, what can I say in this moment? And don't rely on your own, like, conversational skills for that. Um, and so that was, uh, you know, I, I'm very much not experienced with this. Like, I, I have so much more to learn about listening to the Holy Spirit in conversations. But I think it was the first time where I've actually, like, felt that um, in, in a conversation with someone. Um, another, I guess, a big takeaway that, um, from this trip was um, just not to preach, like, the American gospel um, especially if you're in Uzbekistan. Um, uh, the, you know, if you're not clear on what, like, the American gospel means, it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, oh, you're looking for happiness, like, here's Jesus, like, Jesus will bring you happiness and, and kind of end your sufferings. Um, and it's not that that's not true, but there's so much more to that. Like, um, I think, you know, um, we many have fallen away from the faith because of the sufferings they faced. And possibly if the person who had shared the, the, the faith with them had been more clear about, like, you're going to face sufferings, life is going to still be hard, but you have the Lord now. If they were clear about that, then maybe that wouldn't have happened to them. Um, Eugene Peterson says, for many, the first great surprise of the Christian life is in the form of troubles we meet. Somehow it is not what we had supposed. We had expected something quite different. We had our minds set on Eden or New Jerusalem. And so I guess I would just say, like, we do have a great promise to offer. Um, but it's not rooted in this world. It's rooted in the next. And that's what people need to hear. They don't need to hear, um, or they, they, they shouldn't expect that this life is going to be um, much easier. Like, they're going to become rich or happier, healthier, wealthier, any of that. Um, but they should expect that um, in the next in the next world they will be, um, and and so that was kind of just something I was thinking about, like um, making sure that when I when I shared with someone, it was consistent with the the gospel that Jesus taught. Um, another um, big takeaway um, from the trip was I I kind of realized that. Um, we are called to intentionally drive our conversations, interactions, and relationships toward the gospel. Um, it's not like an option, optional thing to do that. Um, so I wanted to read First Peter 2, 9 through 12. Um, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so, 
Peter here is writing to the Roman church, and this was during the time of, of Caesar Nero, um, one of the most um, oppressive and, and horrible um, dictators that um, in history, really. Um, and the, the church was facing um, intense persecution at this time. And um, so when Peter is writing to the Roman church, he's giving them all these roles that they are to fill. Um, and you'll notice one of the, the main roles is to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And um, so I guess uh, it's not like an optional thing as a follower of, of Christ to share the gospel. Um, and I guess uh, for me, um, my personality, uh, I, when I, you know, less in high school, I, I um, maybe thought because like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit socially awkward sometimes or I'm not the best with my words. Um, I sort of assumed that the, I could leave the gospel sharing to others and, um, but uh, I think the, the important realization for me was um, just realizing that people need the truth um, behind their facades. People are struggling. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people can, can put up this mask of like, oh, I'm doing good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe they're rich and, and healthy and all these things and they act happy. But the reality is, like, um, they don't have Christ. They don't have anyone to fall back on. And we saw that during the pandemic, like, you know, um, depression went through the roof. And, all, and, and some of my friends that seemed like they were doing so well, all of a sudden weren't. And, and so I think that realization of, like, people are struggling and, and they're not doing okay. So, like, but, but then I have the answer, you know? And, and so, like... Um, I've been guilty of this too, but we um, we spend a lot of time complaining maybe about the state of California or the state of America, the the religious state, the you know all the problems. Um, but uh, we're the ones who have the answer, not politicians, scientists, um, podcasters, celebrities, any of them. We have the answer, and um, and so we have kind of the, we have this responsibility. Um, to go out there and, and share with people. Um, and so uh, I guess the, one of the takeaways is that if you love something enough, you're gonna talk about it. Um, we all have that thing that we can talk about for hours. You know, for me, it's like surfing and soccer. I could talk about those for hours, even if the person isn't interested in it. Like, I'll talk about it. And, and you know, the, re the reality is they're not offended. They're not like, oh, he's weird. You know, they, they're like, it's fine. He's excited about it, you know? He loves it. And, um, and so if you love Jesus enough, you're going to talk about him a lot. And I think for many of us who have been, like, undercover Christians for, for too long, um, the problem is not a fear of speaking up or some sort of social awkwardness. But I would say it's a lack of love and excitement for Jesus. I speak from personal experience here. Um, and so the, um, the um, yeah, so the, the takeaway is that um, if you have enough love and excitement for Christ, then you're going to speak about him. And I, I feel sort of hypocritical saying this because I have so much more to learn um, 
but I just wanted to share a few things that were helpful. Um, so one thing that uh, really seemed to kind of work when we were there was stressing the community aspect of following Jesus. Um, people these days, especially in my generation, are desperate for community, and they'll find it in anything from like Pokemon to a political party. Um, and so, you know, if you look at like the te testimonies of people who come to Christ, almost always they were they immersed themselves in a Christian community before they came to Christ. And so I say all this just to point out that um, it's incredible what we have here in the church. Um, it's very attractive and interesting to people. And so don't be afraid to talk about it. Like our, our friends in Uzbekistan seem very interested when we would talk about our church and the friendships um, that we had. Um, another thing that was really helpful was just kind of the, the framework of asking questions in conversations, being curious about, you know, what their lives were like, what they, what um, rocked their boat, like what kinds of things like they were interested in, what they had gone through. And, and when you do that, it shows that you're interested in friendship and, and they begin to open up to you. So I think um, instead of focusing more on like what you're saying, what you're talking, you know, speaking the truth, you can also like keep in the back of your mind um, that asking questions and letting them speak is is going to unlock um, some of the things that you want to talk about. Um, another framework that was pretty uh, effective, or at least was was kind of new to me, was. The, the, it's called the external, internal, eternal friend, uh, framework. And so, um, you know, say you meet with someone a few times, you start by, you know, this is what we spend 95% of our conversations doing. It's the external part where we just talk about our circumstances, what's going on, all these things, our daily lives. Um, but the, I think the next step after you, you know, do some of that is to um, shift to internal uh, questions and these are more things like how are you feeling about that like um, what are, what are, you know what are things some things you've struggled with and so that um, kind of gets them to open up and um, if that goes well you can um, start to ask eternal questions um, again I would say like there's no you know formula for sharing the gospel um, but I think kind of uh, not just I, I, I guess um, for me, in the past, it was uh, sort of intimidating to like think, um, I'm gonna go into this conversation and share the gospel. But if you kind of like build up to it, um, and instead of just like randomly, you know, maybe, you know, spiritually hint dropping or, or things like that, um, then um, it kind of, uh, it's a good um, progression, I guess. Um, Another thing that was really helpful was uh, they had us write out our testimonies. And they actually had us write out multiple testimonies. Um, and this was really a good practice for me because as someone who's kind of grown up in the church, um, I was not super confident in my testimony in, in sharing it. Um, I wasn't even sure I had a testimony, I guess, um, because I didn't have some like epic conversion moment or something like that. Um, but you know, they called them micro-testimonies, and essentially it's, I was struggling with this, and the Lord met me in some way, and now um, this is happening. And, and so it was these, these stories that you could tell when 
ever anyone um, uh, sp spoke about these feelings. And so this was really helpful because, you know, people complain a lot. People maybe, like, tell you, oh, I'm stressed out. And then you can immediately meet that with a story or a testimony from your own life. And so that was really helpful just to kind of, like, process through some of that stuff and, like, think about stories that I could share with people. Um, so those were just a few of the kind of, like, tips and, and um, methods that, that might be helpful for you. Um, because, you know, whenever anyone, I, I, whenever I heard someone, like, um, encouraging me to share the gospel more or something like that, I always kind of experienced this feeling of, like, fear and intimidation. Um, and, you know, maybe that's kind of what you're feeling right now. Like, uh, you know, that, that, that's really difficult and I feel uncomfortable. Um, or maybe, like, you're feeling kind of a sense of shame um, over all the opportunities that you've missed. I know, you know, that's something I've struggled with. Um, but, you know, in Uzbekistan, after every gathering, one of the people would ask, um, what is a step of faith you can take in the next week? And I would encourage everyone to kind of start simple with this. Like, think of a few non-Christians who are in your life. Um, we all have those people who kind of, like, keep popping up or, or seem to hang around us. Um, and I, I've often found that they're kind of like some of the people I don't enjoy hanging out with a ton. Um, but uh, we all have those people who are, who are a part of our daily lives. And um, so I would just say, ask yourself, who is the Lord drawing to me? And often you don't have to go searching too far to find people uh, who are not, who are believers and, and are interested. Um, and I would just say the first step is to begin to pray for them. Pray for blessings on their lives, um, but also pray to have an opportunity to have a deeper conversation with them. Um, people are, are willing to talk about their lives, and they're often willing to talk about their conceptions of Jesus, and those are, are ways that you can um, meet them. And if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you, then um, reach out to them and see if they want to grab coffee. Um, you don't have to go to some random country in the desert to begin bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Um, the Lord wants to use you here to bring about his kingdom. And, and that can take many forms. Um, but it starts by um, changing your perspective about the places God has put you in. Um, he, you know, when I went to Cal Poly, um, it's, you know, you want to find, like, your purpose of why you're there. And it was really helpful to think of, uh, to phrase it like, I'm on mission at Cal Poly. And so, um, you know, he hasn't put you at your, at your job just to kind of waste the rest of your life there. He hasn't put you in your family just to, like, tolerate them. Um, he hasn't put you in this church just to fulfill some weekly um, spiritual duty. Um, he's put you there in, for a purpose, and, and he wants you to shape the culture, to touch the people whose lives you interact with, and, and to bring heaven to earth. And that's not because of, like, something that we've earned, but that's because the Lord is in you, and he wants to bear, through, bear fruit through your presence in you, through his presence in you. So, um, yeah, that's, those are some of the things I learned from my trip. Hopefully, that was encouraging and helpful to you guys. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll have the worship team come up. So, um, Lord, I just thank you 
for, for putting us here in Santa Rosa and, and for all the, the communities and, um, and opportunities we have to be around people and to um, engage in their lives. And, and um, Lord, you've, you've put us here uh, for a reason, Lord. We just acknowledge that that you are in us, that your Holy Spirit is in our hearts, and that you want to partner with us, Lord. Um, we thank you for that. Thank you that you include us in your plan, Lord. And um, I just pray, would you um, eliminate any fear or, or doubting or worrying that we have over our call, Lord, here? And, um, and would you just uh, light a fire in us so that we are able to um, to cross those boundaries and, and to um, begin to speak into speak the truth into the lives of others. Um, and so give us the strength, Lord. Give us um, the joy and the excitement and the love that um, drives us in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen.